Hey, everybody. Uh, hope you're enjoying the Global Trade Tech Summit. My name's Greg Miller. Uh, I'm senior editor with American Shipper and Freight Waves. Joined today by Annalise McCarthy, uh, head of client engagement uh, with uh, Pangeva, a division of SP Global Market Intelligence. Hey, Annalise. Welcome. Glad to be here. Hey, Greg. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so today we're going to be talking about sourcing. Uh, post-COVID, uh, or, or probably mid-COVID, because we're still in the middle of it. Uh, but first, uh, why don't you tell me a bit about Pangeva, uh, you know, a little bit about its history, and what kind of data uh, that it provides? Sure. So Pangeva is the global supply chain product of S&P Global Market Intelligence. And really what we do is provide insight on global trade trends and companies' supply chains. And we do that by taking a lot of data, over 1 billion records. These are shipping manifests, import-export data. We combine that, we clean that, and then we organize it for our customers. And our customers are global companies, uh, primarily sourcing professionals, logistics companies, uh, and manufacturers as well. Uh, you know, I can't think of a year that that kind of data uh, has been more important. Uh, it's been a crazy year. Uh, you're looking at it from the uh, trade data perspective. Uh, we've been looking at it from the container shipping perspective, and it's just been uh, an incredible roller coaster. Um, February, March, uh, the Wuhan shut down. Uh, the container ships leaving China empty. Uh, that that cargo was delayed. You know, came to the U.S. in April. Then late March and April, the U.S. shippers basically canceled all their orders uh, uh, because of the lockdowns. So that was, whereas the first was a supply-side shock, uh, the second was a demand-side shock. And what the container lines did then was they, they blanked their sailings or they canceled their sailings. And they basically canceled about 10 to 15% of the sailings in May and June. And surprise, surprise, there was, there was more demand than they thought. The cargo got rolled or delayed to the next sailing. And then they put all that capacity back in, in starting in July, in the third quarter. And we, we have record rates now, so demand is booming. Uh, so that's what we're seeing on the container side. Uh, how does that jive with what you're seeing uh, on the trade data side? Yeah, so really that perfectly mimics what we're seeing on the trade data side. Uh, pretty similar uh, hit on Chinese exports that, that occurred in February, March, when things first started to shut down in Wuhan, really spreading out, not just becoming a China supply side problem, but starting to impact India, Japan, the European Union, uh, some of those taking effect a little bit later on in April and May. And then to your point, it wasn't just about supply anymore. It started to become a demand problem as businesses stopped investing, as consumer behavior started to change. So that was also driving down uh, imports on the U.S. side of particular products. Um, and to your point, we do see a bit of an uptick. I think just in August, we saw uh, record imports coming in through the ports of Los Angeles and uh, Long Beach as well. And it's interesting, it's not, uh, you know, everyone thought the demand, everyone predicted the demand would just decline as a result of this crisis. But what happened was, at least in the U.S., the demand uh, for products changed. So, you know, certain importers did well and certain importers did poorly. And I think your data also looks at 
the various uh, sectors and, and how they're affected? Yeah, so I would say that most sectors felt some sort of negative impact, especially early on in this. Uh, We do see declines in imports on things like industrials, materials, energy, consumer discretionary. Uh, the, The two sectors that really weathered the storm from the beginning were consumer staples and healthcare, which makes sense. This was, you know, hospitals, governments coming to us and urgently trying to bring in more PPE, bring in ventilators, uh, and then individuals, you know, stockpiling what they could on the staple side. Right, right. And then I guess the question now is, is, is what do companies do next? And uh, I believe, uh, you know, Pangeva has put together a survey, uh, you know, to get to, you know, the root of that question. And, you know, tell us a little bit about the survey, and then you know we can go through uh, those questions and, and the answers that you found. Of course. So in addition to looking at the actual import-export data, we always like to go to our clients and really understand the types of decisions that they are making uh, to give some color to the numbers. And so the survey we put together uh, just closed up pretty recently. We got almost 70 respondents uh, global companies, these are, again, supply chain professionals in the logistics, in the importer, uh, and in the manufacturing space primarily, uh, and got some really good insight into how they've been affected and also what they're planning to do about it. Sure, sure. Well, let's, uh, let's start with the, with the first question and what, what answer you found. Yeah, so one of the questions we asked was pretty basic, just have you been impacted and what was the intensity of that impact? And to no surprise, over 90% of respondents said that there was some sort of impact on their global supply chain decisions due to COVID-19. But a lot of them did say it was a, a slight impact as opposed to being a heavy impact. The heavy impact was a little bit uh, higher for the logistics segment specifically. You know, I wonder if the slight impact was because, you know, I would think that in the midst of a crisis where you're focusing on the day-to-day, it's hard to change, uh, you know, it's hard to make major changes in your supply chain right now. I mean, you may, you may think about it. You may think that would be a good idea, but, you know, this is a tough time to do it. So perhaps, uh, you know, the slight change now is simply because, you know, they're more focused on the here and now. Maybe. Yeah, I think that could definitely be part of the the factor there. I do also think a lot of them said they were able to put a plan in place fairly quickly, uh, despite the impact to their businesses, which is really great to see. And I think reflected in some of the answers they gave around what sorts of changes they're putting into effect. Sure, sure. All right. So what was the next question? Yeah, so we we asked people what was the impact. You know, there, we talked about the supply side, we talked about the demand side. So no surprise, we actually see the customers saying that they had impact on both of those as well. On the supply side, it was really around getting product to market, having some sort of delay in their shipping, delay in. Uh, product being created because of factory closures. So that was one type of impact that they experienced, especially on the retailer and import side. Uh, And then on the demand side, you know, they started to see less demand for their products. Uh, Certainly logistics companies came to us about that. You know, they're not looking, they weren't looking for new customers early on in this. Um, 
we had them coming to us and saying, we're just here to defend our current clients. This isn't a moment for expansion. Uh, certainly that might've changed since early days of COVID. Um, but another way that companies have been dealing with that decreased demand is also changing their product mix and, and thinking more strategically about which products to bring to market in these times. Okay. Yeah, that change in product mix is important. You saw a lot of companies that were doing one thing suddenly switch over to something else, uh, whether it would be you know masks or what have you. Yeah, we, we work with a handful of apparel companies, and this is something that we're hearing from them. Uh, certainly, they were hit pretty hard with COVID-19 and people staying home and frankly, not buying as much, um, not, not as much apparel. And so moving into that mask space has been a key strategy for a lot of them. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a kind of company that can move quickly to do something like that. Well, uh, what's next? Yeah. So I, I think a question that's been on our mind is how long do we anticipate something like this to last? And, you know, I don't think anyone has a hard and fast answer to that. But when we took that to our customers, we heard back from them that most are anticipating impacts from COVID-19 on their supply chains to persist into 2021. Uh, so the, the issues that they've been experiencing both on the supply and the demand side. And then on top of that, they're actually interested in keeping the changes and strategies they've put in place to deal with COVID-19 into the future. Huh. I mean, that's an important point because people have been talking about making changes for years and years. And we heard it uh, also, of course, in the last several years with the tariff issue. You know, people were saying that, you know, they're going to change the way they do things. Uh, they're going to change their sourcing strategies. Uh, maybe they're going to be do more regionalized. Maybe they're going to go to other countries in Southeast Asia. Maybe they're going to bring some things domestic. But there's always uh, this inertia uh, that keeps them from changing. Um, you know, change costs money. And so uh, so maybe it's something something like this is the, the impetus that will finally make them change uh, after all these years when they've really sort of kept the same. I mean, if you look at where a lot of the cargo is coming in from now, it, it's China. So... Agreed. I remember having a conversation with uh, one of our large retail cu customers. This was probably about five or six years ago. And they were telling us about this strategy of trying to move out of China, to your point. And we're talking about moving from 90% of product coming from China to 80% of product coming from China. And they had a, a five to 10 year time horizon. So, you know, these aren't easy changes that companies are trying to make. It takes time. It takes investment. Right, right. And then your survey also looked into the kind of changes that they were interested in making. Yeah. So the one that I just mentioned about changing which vendors you're working with or which geographies you're sourcing from was one of the top strategies that companies are using, uh, certainly to deal with uh, concentration of risk. So when we talk to customers about trying to move their supply chains, it's often because they want to mitigate risk. They want to have more opportunity and option. So when things get disrupted, they have a fallback plan. Right. And, you know, this is interesting for the container shipping industry. They have, uh, you know, the container shipping industry has built these massive ships, uh, uh, you know, with 15, 18, 20,000, 20 foot equivalent unit uh, capacities. And basically, they've designed the fleets uh, to go from one giant hub essentially in Asia to one giant hub essentially in Europe. 
so they're building these giant ships on the basis that trade uh, is going to be, you know, relatively uniform and very, very, very long haul. And one of the things people are worried about and which may come to pass and which coronavirus may accelerate uh, is this idea of regionalization or, or bringing uh, 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 supply chains closer in. And then what are they going to do with all these big ships? What they, what they really need is medium-sized ships and small feeder ships. So we'll see what happens. But it's, it's interesting that, you know, if all these changes are made, uh, the container industry itself may have, may have the wrong fleet. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the thing that really shined through in the survey is the companies that are able to understand those trends and what's going on and, and make the changes are the ones that are able to kind of weather storms like what we've seen. I don't think anyone could have really predicted COVID-19, so it comes down to having an agile approach. Exactly, exactly. And then, you know, beyond the survey, you also uh, uh, put together some data on the outlook as well, I think, right? Yeah. So something that we get asked about a lot is, you know, what's to come? What are we going to see as far as uh, imports and exports? What's the sentiment? So certainly we, we can't always predict what will happen, but uh, sentiment does seem to be rising and improving. I think um, the, the clients that we're working with are more optimistic as we go into the latter half of the year. And certainly with the holiday import swing coming in, we're seeing a, a rise in imports coming in, not necessarily to 2019 levels. I don't expect that we'll see that, but certainly better month-on-month growth uh, than we might have predicted earlier on in this. Yeah, we, uh, we're looking at the numbers right now in terms of the customs filings. Uh, and, you know, the question we have is, uh, you know, there does seem to be quite a volume. And it's very specifically coming across the Pacific into California, which is the fast way to get things into the United States. So what we're wondering is, is how much of this is cargo that uh, essentially was inventories that were used up in the previous months and, and needs to be refilled, how much of this is uh, importers basically bringing cargo forward that they would have normally imported uh, in you know September or October or October and they're bringing it forward till now? And how much of this is really uh, incremental demand? I mean, so that's what people are trying to figure out because they are seeing an unusually high level of activity. Agreed, and I, I think we're seeing something similar on our end. There's also this idea that, uh, uh, you know, the retailers in the United States, they have a lot of closed stores out there and the storefronts aren't working for them. So they're all, uh, you know, looking to sell online. I mean, of course, they're going to be competing with Amazon there, but, you know, you got to do something. So if you're going to switch from a store to online, it's possible that you may be bringing in inventories uh, to facilitate that new strategy. So maybe that's something we're seeing there. We're not sure. But uh, something seems to be happening. It, it, it just seems more, if we thought a couple months ago and looked to what, where we are now, it just seems like things are more positive than we had thought. Agreed. We had done a, a bit of a shorter survey in July just around that question of when we anticipate or when our clients anticipate uh, things to go, quote, back to normal. And it was less optimistic than what we saw in our most recent survey. So I agree. I think the clients are a little bit more optimistic as we go into the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. 
And then I think you've also done some data on the China aspect as well, uh, with you know, in terms of the cargo specifically coming in from China to the United States. Yeah. So to your earlier point about trying to move supply chains and what does that really look like, uh, we we dug in on what does import uh, value from China look like over the years? Is it actually changing? Is it growing? Is it decreasing? And really, it has been increasing year over year uh, until really 2019. And probably due to a lot of the tariff situation that took effect, then uh, we start to finally see them lose a little market share relative to where they had been. Yeah. I, you know, I just think it's, it's, an, it's an ironic point, you know, uh, that, you know, this virus uh, started back in February uh, in Wuhan, and, and all of us were looking at what, what was going on in China and thinking, you know, that their economy is going to fall apart. And this was a big worry for shipping because, all of shipping is essentially leveraged to what's happening in China. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to now, and we see uh, Chinese factories very, very busy working away, uh, putting out products uh, and putting them on ships to come to the United States for U.S. businesses and retailers. And meanwhile, uh, the U.S. economy itself is, uh, is, in, is in a bit of limbo. So, it, you know, things have turned around here. It's ironic that China seems to be doing so well at this point as a result of U.S. demand. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, and I think we're now in this stage of kind of uh, staggered reopening. Different markets are taking different approaches. They're in the different uh, timeline as far as recovery. And it does create a bit of a, a tension, right, between China, which is open and producing products, and maybe the U.S. market, which still hasn't fully recovered. So I guess if we were to sum up, uh, how would you sum up everything that we've talked about in terms of, you know, where we are in terms of, uh, uh, you, know, the, you know, the imports, the exports, how things have gone according to plan, what, what companies are doing, how they're reacting? You know, what's, what's the summation of all of this? Yeah, so I would say the thing to take away is we're still very much in the midst of this and the impacts that we've seen from COVID-19, both on the supply side, the demand side, now on this staggered reopening uh, phase that we're in, these are really issues that are impacting all companies, all markets. Uh, and the companies that are going to do the best are the ones that are able to take a look at that bigger picture and plan ahead and, and make some real changes to their supply chains uh, now that they can use moving forward. And I think data is really the, the key way to do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So basically there's been a huge impact. Uh, it's not quite as bad, at least yet as people had thought. Um, it, 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 and, and it could precipitate change. So we could be dealing with the after effects of this for years if supply chains and if global sourcing is changed uh, as a result of this. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, I really pre appreciate you taking time to talk today, uh, Elise. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. It was great to be here.